Thank you for tuning in to the Excellence Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Hulse, president of ERG Executive Search, a nationwide search firm based in Appleton, Wisconsin. Our guest today is an inspiring leader and a testament to hard work, passion, and the power of networking. He is the dynamic CEO and owner of CCB Technology, a Racine-based IT company renowned for its commitment to nonprofit organizations and distinguished as a cloud innovator by the Wall Street Journal. His belief that no one drifts into excellence is evidenced by his spectacular career and the significant impact he has had on the growth of his company. Tasked with carrying out his father's legacy and driving the evolution of CCB while maintaining the heartbeat of serving those that serve others, Today's guest will quickly leave an indelible impression on you as he has me. I'm so excited to welcome to the Excellence Exchange podcast, a fellow Wisconsin Titan 100, Patrick Booth. Hi, Patrick. Hi, Hi. thank so you for that introduction. I know, well, it's so you. I mean, so Patrick and I um, have had a chance to get to know each other. We actually met for lunch not all that long ago. And it could have been the lunch that would have gone on for pretty much <laughs> the whole day. We had such a great um, and engaging conversation and I just loved hearing his story. So I asked him to share his story on the podcast. So I appreciate you doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure. And that lunch was one for the memory books because the construction that was going on around us and you were walking in high heels through all of the construction. And I said, wow, this is a lady who knows how to get things done and does not get stopped by anything. And so it was a great lunch, just a, a little noisy, but we made it work. So, Well, you do know my favorite quote, Patrick, is that Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did, only backwards and in high heels. So, hey, I mean, come on, right? That's the truth right well, there. Exactly. So you have to tell me, let's start with the company. So CCB sure. Technologies um, initially founded to serve the IT needs of not-for-profit. So that was Correct. how the company got started. Talk yeah. about, you know, the challenges and rewards, because obviously there's both of, of serving that specific sector, the not-for-profits. And then how did that shape the company early on from a values, kind of that whole perspective? Yeah, it's a story I love to tell because it's a family story. So my parents founded CCB uh, back in 1991. Uh, my dad had been part of the technology industry for a while. And uh, he was on the manufacturing side, though. So, you know, when Microsoft was just starting to kind of build that name, at least the one that we knew in the business community, really well known. Um, my dad was also creating software that was competing against it. But he, he wasn't the creator. He was the software uh, sales and marketing uh, promoter. And so he decided, though, he saw the potential as he was sat on a board. And the board was talking about how the church was not getting a nonprofit discount. Now, my dad knew academics got discounts and governments got discounts, but nonprofits, your 501c3s, traditional, did not get discounts. And so my dad went to connections that he had through Microsoft and said, let me do a test pilot to help nonprofits get a 75% discount on their technology offerings. And of course, of course, everyone at first was like, no, like mm -hmm. this is not going to happen. And then uh, after many attempts, they gave them a pilot and then through that pilot we were able to prove successfully how there was a great market for microsoft to help nonprofits, 501c3s get a discount and grow their numbers for microsoft 
And since then, the program has been incredible. Uh, we, we had about 25 companies that were allowed to sell to nonprofits for, gosh, 20 years. And now there's donation programs. Microsoft has created a worldwide offering. I think there's a complete different, unbelievable uh, growth that's happened because of this one idea to give nonprofits at discounts. And so now um, I can say, honestly, we've served over probably 45, 50,000 nonprofits in the United States. And through that, they've sold, they've saved probably 400 to $500 million because of this discount that was all started because my dad had an idea. I just, I love that story. And when you shared that, I mean, it just so many of our, you know, our fathers and such visionaries and so far ahead of yeah. their time. And, you know, just the, the transparency and what that meant for those not-for-profits and the ability to be able to have great technology as opposed to, you know, what I'm sure at the time was dealing with whatever they had to deal with because they didn't have the money to have great technology. So, yeah. I mean, I just, I love that story. Um, obviously, CCB Technologies, you guys have been recognized a lot within your field in your industry. So what what sets you guys apart? I mean, the not-for-profit thing, certainly in the beginning, set, set your company apart and set your father apart as a, a true innovator within the technology space. But you continue to, to be recognized. Obviously, you're a Titan 100. What sets the company apart that that continues? Uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, like, like every company, you know, how do you still relevant uh, mm -hmm. to your customers and, and even future prospecting clients? So, you know, it comes down to, again, our heart and our commitment to helping the little guy get helped. Um, we focus a lot on small business. Uh, we understand the small business is this thing that gets left aside. I know I understand it's a big industry, but a lot of times you have companies marketing to the, the really expensive, the ones that have deep pockets. But what about the, the mom and dad startup that is trying to cover payroll, buy all the supplies, um, and they need IT, but they don't understand IT. And so what we have found is just our own story of being a small business that started in the basement of our house. Uh, when I was in middle school, my, you know, we had about six employees working in our basement. It's trying to save money um, and understanding like what you go through as a small business. This is not a normal route. It is a hard one. And yet we can try to help them understand and relate. And I think on the day you're talking about the heart of, do you understand what a small business goes through? Do you know what a nonprofit goes through to try to balance everything? And, and how do we help bring in these tools that are going to help us be a better organization? But there's a cost, but we try to give our best discount that we can. And we try to make sure that they feel heard and seen. And a lot of businesses have lost that. I think there's a lot of companies that do a great job at it. But in my industry, I just know that we have found a way to show something small businesses that we're just like you. We are you. And when they feel that connection, it does make them have trust. And through that trust uh, becomes a great relationship that we have to then follow through and prove ourselves. You can't just you know get a deal being a nice guy. You got to be able to show up and, and, and execute and fulfillment. And so our core values has also been a big reason of why we've been able to be successful because we believe in them and we live them out daily. Well, and we're going to talk about your culture in a little bit. I do have right. to, I want to, I want to talk about this story because I, I loved this story that you shared with me uh, before we go into the culture and all of the things that make your company so unique and special. So you shared with me that, you know, mom and dad are running the business out of the basement and you are much like my daughter that I want nothing to do with 
all yep. the hard work and all the the things that that is going on in the basement of the home. So over time, you ended up, you've actually held nine different positions within the company, but you had left and really didn't want to be involved in the company. No. So mm-hmm. talk to me about that evolution, because I think for family businesses, which is a lot of small business, especially in our state, in the state of Wisconsin, we mm-hmm. all, you know, you look at it and a lot of sons and daughters left and then came back. And, and you obviously, I mean, you started at a very young age and then, you know, basically have held every role within the company to become CEO, head cook yeah. and bottle washer, right? So talk about <laughs> yeah. that journey. Yeah, not all the jobs have been glorious, but they all have taught me something. <laughs> um, so I think my first job was janitor of CCB. I cleaned everything. And, uh, you know, my dad, so what happened was, first of all, it wasn't a plan for either one of us. Neither my dad or I thought the company was going to probably be in my future because he wanted me to go experience something different. Mm-hmm. He wanted me, and I think in his own way and knowing him really well, he did not want me to, my plan to be his plan. Like, that, don't do that. You go and build mm-hmm. your own future, son. Go build your own path, right? And I wanted that. I mean, growing up in a home, uh, I wanted to make my own name. Uh, and so I wanted experience. I already knew what small business was. Uh, by growing up at the dinner table and hearing about it, but I, you know, didn't really officially work for them. Uh, I did the janitor thing, but nobody was around. So, you know, the, the the bottom line was, I said, let's go try something different. And that's when I realized, when I was working for a major corporation, um, and nothing wrong with them. I love what they do. Uh, I really enjoyed my time there. However, I realized what what was I designed for, and what I was designed designed for was a small business, and so. I started looking for other places to work in a small business environment. And I, you know, like a father and son does, we talk and he's like, how's life, son? And I'm like, well, I'm actually looking for a new job. I think it's time for me to find a small business where I can really, you know, deepen my roots and, you know, get my name understood of who I'm about. And he's like, you know, I have an opportunity for you. And I was like, dad, I am not moving back to Wisconsin. I'm in Los Angeles. My (laughs) wife has a great job. There's beaches and sun and no snow. I am not moving back unless I want to go find snow in the mountains. I'm not living in snow. And he's like, no, 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 just hear this. He goes, this guy just left in the sales department. You could take over his territory. You can work from your home in in California uh, condo that we were renting. Um, But you don't have to worry about coming back except for some meetings, some trainings and stuff like that. But you just live out there. And I'm like, Okay. Um, we had some other people that were doing that. Um, they were a lot older than me. So, um, I, you know, being in my twenties, I didn't know anything different. And of course this is way before we go remote and all this stuff. And we did not have all the great tools we have today, but you know, just check in, send an email. And, and so my dad and I talked through it and I went for it. What I didn't expect was how much I was going to love it. Um, I was helping clients grow and thrive through technology, but giving them these discounts. And I was getting thanked for my efforts when before I was getting yelled at a lot because, you know, mm-hmm. things break tools. We were in a manufacturing of power tools and, you know, everyone has a different opinion of, you know, what works and what doesn't work, but I wasn't thanked. Let's put it that way for my, my, mm-hmm. my job. Um, right. I was yelled at a lot by clients or customers or store managers of like, what haven't you done for me lately? And it just didn't feel good. And so then when I got into this other role for CCB, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm actually helping people. And I actually enjoy the feeling it gives me. And so 
through that, my dad and I then had many conversations as he said, you have to earn your way. I'm never going to give you anything. And if you don't produce, you will get fired. Um, one of the things, the best things that happened is he did not have me report to him. He had me report to uh, a different executive who was over sales. And that gave us a relationship to have separation between the family side of it. So, you know, the, the, the road of where you start and where you finish should be long. It should not be this, oh, hey, son, you want to be an executive? Here you go. The, my dad said you had to earn your way. So nine positions, yes, but every position was the same story. If you don't produce, I will fire you. And every time I said, I understand and you should fire me. So there was this mutual respect of mm -hmm. nothing is given, everything is earned. And, and yet he but did give me opportunities. So I love the fact that he not only had you earn it, so you felt and you knew that you did the right thing to continue to progress through the company, but he also said, you need to go out and make your own mark. And mm -hmm. to me, that is just testament. I mean, your father, everything I heard about him, he just seems like wonderful man, but, but testament to, and I think a lot of that is generational, that uh, baby boomer generation really, they raised us where you need to earn it and you need to, you need to put in the work and we're not going to just give it to you, but, but you can demonstrate that you're worthy of that. So, I mean, kudos to your dad for doing that. Uh, he was tough, of the, but fair. And I right, think that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, I, I would say that that's how I would describe my dad too, which means that I think that that generation was a lot like that. But fair. So one of the things um, you you said and that I read that I love, it's one of your quotes is that no one drifts into excellence. I yeah. love that quote, by the way, I'm going to put that like on my wall or something. <laughs> I love it. So, so tell me how that statement has guided you as the CEO of CCB. Yeah. So that statement, I have to give credit to my VP of sales, Steve Shear. Uh, who also got it, I think, from his pastor, Mike Bullmore, uh, the, just keeps paying it forward, right? It, and that's mm -hmm. what we do. Uh, Steve's other one is it's better to be a pirate than a pioneer. So you can take that for what it is and figure out. So, um, you know, how does that help me? Well, my dad always taught me to never be comfortable with your success. Um, the, the reality is, and I just spoke about this to a company meeting today before I came here, that Michael Jordan did not just become successful overnight. Um, nobody just becomes successful in life. This is not a Walt Disney movie where you just float down the river and you walk into this beautiful, magical lagoon. Mm -hmm. um, life is hard and you have to earn what you get. And you put work into it and it takes time and commitment. So my dad was like, always look out and and see what's the next thing coming, Patrick. Never just stay satisfied with what you're getting in results today because tomorrow's coming and tomorrow's going to demand, demand something more than what you've given today. Now, that's a blessing and a curse because oftentimes I'm not satisfied. I'm like, oh yeah, that was great. We did that. Now what's next? And what I have found, and this is definitely me just sharing the truth because why mm -hmm. not? Um, right. You can exhaust people that way. Mm -hmm. And I have where I'm like, okay, great. What's the next thing? And while people just got through the running the gauntlet on something else, 
Now I'm talking about the next thing. And I have seen people, unfortunately, where I have not paused, let them recover. And I have seen them break down in tears mm -hmm. and frustration of why is there always a need for more? And my mm -hmm. response early on was, why not? Why are we satisfied? But the truth is you got to have a balance between pushing and driving people to the point that they break. Again, what's, what's, what's the point if you have drive everyone, drag everyone up to the top with you, mm -hmm. but they're dead bodies. Well, well what did you achieve? That's, it's a challenge of being an entrepreneur because yeah. I do believe that we're type A. We, we have that drive and energy for, like you said, we want to do new things and be yep. best and all of that. Mm -hmm. So it, no doubt that, that it is, and, and you're, you're not telling anything that every person who's listening sure. to this podcast won't relate to, because we've all been there where, you know, you can, you can lead, but if you turn around and nobody's following. Yeah. yeah. Well, well the drifting about, into excellence real quick on that, because I want to make sure yeah. is that yeah, yeah. you, you, you don't just get there. And I mentioned that about Michael Jordan, like, the work that goes into it. A lot of people see successful business and they never know the history of what they took to sacrifice to get there. They just see the end result and like, oh, mm -hmm. that must be nice. Well, mm -hmm. there's a lot more to the story than just where we are today. And so if you want to have excellence, that is done with purpose and design, commitment and execution. That's how you it, get into excellence, not your Amen. No. And, and you're right. Most people... You know, they think somebody is an overnight success. Well, it took 20 years to be an overnight success, right? It's, it's how all works. the long hours and all the things that people, like I said, they don't see early on that, you know, created where you are. So one of the big leaps and, you know, you talk about your father and, and I think he was a visionary, but uh, my friend Patrick is very much a visionary as well. Uh, you led the company through probably its biggest transition. You were focusing on IT products and you launched into IT managed and uh, project services. So that catapulted your business 40% growth. That's yeah. huge. So what inspired you, first of all, to make that decision? Because <laughs> yeah. obviously we're all trying to figure out how do we you know, come up with the 40% growth decision. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, what are some of the things that you encountered as you managed through that transition? Well, Sharon, I'm just gifted and I just have this gift of prophecy. No, that is not what happened. <laughs> I, so, <laughs> I knew that that would be the answer. Yeah, yeah I am. Why I, I love you. I'm a sarcastic, humorous type of guy. Love me or hate me. It is what it is. But um, truth well, be told, wonderful. it was fear. Let's get mm -hmm. real, people. All right. Let's just tell the truth. I was at a Microsoft conference. Um, in one of the big cities, they always moved him around. I can't even remember where I was, maybe Washington, D.C. And at the time, Steve Ballmer, who is the CEO, uh, came out. And this is all about the cloud discussion. And he said clearly in arena, uh, like a, like where the Bucks play. So obviously, like Pfizer Forum, completely packed out with all these IT companies like me, small business, medium, large, whatever. And he's like, listen, this is the direction we're going as a company. You're either with us or you're not. But if you're standing on the track, we're going to run you over. And everyone's clapping. In that moment, I wasn't clapping. I was scared to death because I knew we had no plan for the cloud at that time. My dad's plan was you keep selling the nonprofits, the product, the licensing, all of that. I knew 
And I, I got on the plane with him because I was shaken. I mean, I was really scared because I'm thinking this is whatever I thought was going to be easy wasn't going to be easy any longer because everything was changing. The game was changing, you know, mm -hmm. and I can't play my father's game anymore. Like I have to play it a new way. So I sat down with him on the plane and I created a plan and I said, dad, we're going to protect the legacy of what you have built. We have got to go in a new direction. We're talking about pivoting right now and services is the way to go. My dad's like, it's too expensive and it's too complicated. I said, you're right about those two things, but if we don't do this, we will perish, adapt or die. And I said, dad, what do you want to do? It's your money. It's your company. Now people say that to me, but at that moment, I said the same thing to him. What do you want to do, dad? Cause it, it's your company. I'm just, I'm, I'm your, one of your dedicated employees, but you got to tell me what you want to do. And he's like, I will invest, but I won't do it. You have to go build it. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I did was go look at one of my top salespeople and said, you're my best sales guy. I'm moving you over to run this department. And he's like, why me? And I'm like, cause you're the most technical salesperson I know. I said, I don't know what I'm doing, but we're going to have you go hire technical people. And so with that, we launched in 2011. Um, and I can tell you it was a bumpy ride, but today it's a third of all the profits that we bring into the company. And you launched it in 2011, mm -hmm. like as in 9-11 year? Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, all of, you know, it, it, it's one of these things where you just don't know. Mm -hmm. The timing is never perfect, people. And I know that. And I say this, trust me. Things still freak me out. COVID and, you know, the Great Recession and, you know, remote and all this stuff. It's normal to freak out, but you got to make a choice. What are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and stand still or are you going to do something to fight back and, 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 and build a different story than just mm -hmm. letting it run over you? And so in that moment, I was grateful to be in that arena because it gave me I wouldn't be the leader I am today if I hadn't been sitting in that arena and heard that message. And then yeah. I'm grateful that my dad believed in me and supported me and gave me a chance. We took a risk and it worked out. So one of the things in everything I read, our conversation, the thing that I know to be true is you have a phenomenal culture. So, and that's hard when you are constantly going through change. I mean, and, yeah. and you're right. Business, that's what it is. As a leader, it's trying to manage through the constant change that you have to make in order to continue to grow the company. We, we're yep. going through a lot of change ourselves right now with AI and everything that's happening mm -hmm. in the world. So how did you manage the team through such a significant, I mean, that's a completely almost different business model. Yeah, so how did you, know, you manage that team through that? Well, uh, there's a lot of things here. I think number one, we did have a foundation of a good culture to begin with. My parents had from the very beginning, made sure in a small business environment and it's, it is hard to do in mm -hmm. much bigger environments um, that that we made people feel loved and valued and they trusted us which was really really important you got to have trust at the foundation um, when we did launch and this is to be truth to be shared with everyone is not everyone did believe in this launch of services in fact i think people thought well one i don't want to change I don't want to do anything different than what I've already been doing for the last 15 years, you know, 20, 10 years, whatever it was. Um, they wanted to make sure that they could, you know, stay safe and comfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. So when I'm like, well, uncomfortable creates growth. I don't want that. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I want to grow, right. but I don't want to be uncomfortable. 
And so it took a consistent message of this is good. This is going to be good for all of us. This is where we need to go. If we don't move now, we will not have a place to come back to. So I think we had to make sure the message was clear, consistent, and we had to make sure they could trust us. And so we shared whenever we had wins taking place, we made sure to share those with the company Mm -hmm. so people could buy in. But it took a decade to buy in. It did. It wasn't like I thought, I'll be honest, I thought two years, two years. Mm -hmm. I talked to everyone, you know, when do you start to see things turn around two years? It took them way longer than two years for us. And was it frustrating? Yeah, it was because I believed in it and I saw people believing in it, but it wasn't like this. Oh, everyone just jumped in the boat and said, let's go. It took a long time to get people to feel comfortable. Um, Now everyone sees it. But man, talk about being patient for 10 years, which is not my greatest virtue and right now is to be patient uh, because I wanted to create results. Now, here's another story that not a lot of people know, but sure, I'll share it with you because we're friends sharing. So here it is. My dad wanted to kill services after six months because he wasn't seeing the ROI. And I looked at him and I said, Dad, there is no way I can give you a ROI in six months Right. And I said, well, how much time do you need, Patrick? I'm like, at least two years. And then I kept saying that every two years. After. Two more years, dad, just two more years. Yeah. <laughs> so thankfully he he built trust because along the way, though, I did show him growth. It wasn't mm-hmm. this leap, but there was magic happening. There was growth happening, um, but he had to be really patient. But if he didn't trust me, he could have killed it after six months or he could have killed it after two years. Instead, he gave me a decade build it up, which I'm really grateful, yeah. grateful for. So, so if great. you're a leader out there and you're going to launch something, give them more than six months, give them more than right. two years, give them something that gives, you know, but I understand have metrics, but a startup or a launch of a new program or a new offering, it mm-hmm. does take time. Yeah, it absolutely does. And and I think as entrepreneurs, I give you so much credit because that is our tendency is we want mm-hmm. to, we want immediate results. And if we don't see immediate results, we are going to just we're going to kill it. Right. And we're going to move on to something else. I think when everything that I read our conversation, one of the things that I think is a a real gift and, you know, you have, now you might be humble and and say no, but I think one of the gifts that I feel you have is that balance of celebration and accountability. You can Mm. create competition. You can, you can have people work to metrics, but yet at the same time, you really celebrate the successes. How have you, how have you um, established that cadence of accountability and celebration? Yeah. So my, my team would probably laugh when they hear this because um, I'm a guy that likes to have a good time. Um, I love celebrating. I really do. I get along so well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I do. I I like to make sure we get out, whether it's eating food or going to an event Mm -hmm. or something that leaves an impression on us to say we had fun. It's, it's my personality. Um, the things that I was missing in my early years of leadership was the accountability. Um, and that's where I struggled and I needed, I thankfully learning in other CEO groups and talking to other people, listening to podcasts, I learned that the accountability, the whole trust, but verify phrase that we, we hear, um, Mm -hmm. is so important to be able to have accountability with metrics. I just was like, well, if they like me, they'll work hard, right? If they like me and they have fun, we'll hit our goals, right? Because everyone's happy. Uh, 
yeah, they're happy, but everyone needs to know what accountability is. And so through that, I've had to learn this balance. And I think I've helped my team though, because we could be all about goals and hitting metrics and not have the celebration. And so mm -hmm. uh, my president, Logan McCoy, he's, he's a, uh, in the personality of disc personality, he's a D he gets it done. He's a driver, mm -hmm. he's black and white, but he sometimes forgets to celebrate because he's so good. His celebration is getting the things crossed off his list while mm -hmm. I'm like, we need to throw a party. We need to do something big. And so honestly, it has been a great thing for me to have people in my life that compliment my, my mm -hmm. personality. And I think I've complimented them because I try to think of what can we do to show uh, our, our support and our love and appreciation um, through acts of kindness and celebration mm -hmm. of gifts. And then they're great at making sure I'm not just throwing a party all the time and that we're constantly making sure, are we hitting our goals? Are we improving? Uh, where's the vision? How do we get there? And they're holding me accountable to really get focused and to think about all the things that are needed. But I do believe it is a balance. Um, you can't just do one or the other. And and oftentimes you do forget, you get become one or the other and, 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 and people start to leave because they're not having fun or people are having fun, but they don't really feel like there's any plan of where we're going and they feel like they, they're not safe. And they kind of feel like, is this going to be around? I know we're having a good mm -hmm. time, but is this going to be around in a year? People don't, people want to feel safe, but you gotta give them a balance of both. I think that's, that's the biggest issue. I think within business, especially small business is you have to balance out your team with people who complement your weaknesses, if you will. And that it makes it and kudos to you for finding a person who is a good counterbalance because I'm a lot like you. I mean, if we could have a celebration every day, we would do it. Right. But ultimately yeah. there, there has to be that person who says, okay. And at the same time, we're going to be accountable to get these metrics hit. So yeah. um, I know you do a lot of employee centric in, uh, incentives. So you have yeah. profit sharing. Um, mm -hmm. So how, how does your employee centric in, uh, initiatives uh, help your company to grow? Have you done some things that, that our listeners could say, wow, that would be a great thing for us to implement? Yeah. Well, again, culture, I, I think so. It was a couple uh, early in my year as being president, I was approached by one of our younger employees who was in her 20s. And she came in my office and she goes, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure. You know, open door policy. What's on your mind? And she's like, um, what is CCB about? And I'm like, we're about IT products and services. And she's like, no, 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 Patrick, like what else is CCB about? And I'm like, I don't understand why you're asking me this question again. I just told you what we're about. And she's like, isn't there something more than just doing that? I said, Rachel, I'm confused. What are you looking for? And she said, I want to know if CCB wants to put something in place that gives the employees an opportunity, not just to come to work and do their jobs and, and follow through on the CCB mission, but is there more we can be doing and getting in our community and in life? And I was like, okay, well, what's your ideas? And so we brainstormed for a while. Well, out of that birth, our give back challenge. And so we do that. In fact, we talked about it today in our company meetings from September through December, uh, we get out there and serve in about 15 to 20 nonprofits and we give the people paid time because I remember early on, you're only given a little bit of PTO and mm -hmm. I wanted to do PTO, but I also wanted to go serve in things like 
camps and whatnot. And I couldn't balance the PTO thing because there just wasn't enough time until I got to tenure. And so I said, you know what? I don't want any employee to ever struggle with taking time off to do PTO or serving clients mm -hmm. uh, or nonprofits because a lot of them are clients. And, uh, and so we said, let's just pay it. And so we would give each employee four hours to go serve. So the bottom line is, I think a culture, and it gave great fulfillment, it doesn't keep mm -hmm. everyone, but it does give people a sense of purpose, which is what we all want. Did right. I check the box today of value with my life? Do I feel like I contributed? When I feel like I contributed, and there's some days I don't, but in the days I do, I love it. I'm like, let's, mm -hmm. let's have a great night. With the days I feel like I just didn't do anything great and I kind of was stuck in quicksand and not moving and not getting, I'm like, oh, I can't wait for this day to be over. Mm -hmm. So I think people are in the same way in a company. How do you help them feel like they're growing? And if you can give them a chance to grow either as a person and professionally, because you need both, can't just have one or the other. I think people are willing to stay and go through the change because they're mm -hmm. like, I believe we're doing more here is my VP of sales says, Steve, we're doing a lot more than sling the laptops, Patrick. We are impacting lives by yeah. being an employer it's to them or out, a provider. Yeah. It's finding out the why. And mm -hmm. and I, kudos to, to kudos to the younger generation that's coming into our businesses mm -hmm. who have questioned us on what the why. Why is it that you do what you do? I, yeah, I my dad that. never had to worry about that. He he was mm -hmm. like, Did you get a paycheck? That was his philosophy. Did that did that <laughs> yeah. clear? then then what are we talking about and it got me off guard because i was trained by that generation mm -hmm. and so i am grateful that it was a whole new view that i needed to to look at because this one young person had the courage to come to me and talk to me but also there had to be a, a trust that she felt comfortable enough to do that so along the way i always said it but you can say a lot of things but somewhere she felt that I could be trusted that I, this wasn't going to go sideways on her. So you got to be approachable. You can always say, yeah, my door is open. Do people really feel safe to walk through that door? Cause if they don't, you might need to find a way, or you're not going to really know what's going on in your company. And I just encourage you make sure you find a way to build trust with the staff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have to talk about Titan 100, of course. Yeah. So you have the honor and privilege of being the first Titan recipient the first oh, honoree. I know on the podcast we had Jamie Zaman on. Um, in fact, her podcast uh, dropped yesterday, and and fabulous conversation about her background and and uh -oh. her history. But uh, and we have lots scheduled, but you're you're the first. So what did Titan One Hundred mean to you? What what has happened since since becoming a Titan? Yeah. So the first thing that was really special in all of this was that it was a Wisconsin award. Um, I've received awards in. Uh, the industry and Microsoft and different things, but honestly, never received something from Wisconsin for myself like this. The company has received some things in our local community and that's been great, but um, I was really intrigued to know who else was out there very much building their company up and finding success. Um, and also I wanted to learn. I wanted to be like, okay, well, it's kind of nice to, you know, I think of uh, professional athletes to play against professional athletes and it's like, they're not going and just, you know, playing against anybody. They're playing with some people that have really, they, they have a story. Everyone has a story, how they mm -hmm. got there. I love hearing everyone's story. So for me, it was like, wow, this is, this is great for me to also check myself and say, Hey, 
where do I need to grow? And, and how did this person get there? And what can I learn from them? So for me, it was a, a wonderful way to network with other business leaders who have really built a great career and built success. And that's how we met uh, being yep. on the board together. Uh, and that that has brought me and I remember seeing you on the call. And I remember you and diving in there and engaging and I was quiet, but I was observing and I was like, okay, we, I know who, who's an alpha in this group yeah. and that's yeah, you. I, I've never so, been known to being quiet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I agree. And I, I looked at it and I was like, this is impressive. This is, this was a wake up call of, Hey, I'm in a, a leap bunch. So for me, it was wonderful to connect with other Titans. And, and the fun thing was also some of the people that I already knew. I was glad to see them get recognized as well. And when I applied, I did not think I had a shot to get in. I was like, well, I don't know what I've accomplished. I, you know, I, I've worked hard and we, we've done some amazing things to help nonprofits. But when I got the uh, recognition, I was like, oh my goodness, this, this is, this feels really good. And I'm thankful, grateful that I actually had this opportunity. But then I was like, I know I'm not at the top of the class, so I'm going to see who, who, where everyone else is. And so it's been fun to really network and just to be able to talk to other businesses and to feel really proud that I'm here in Wisconsin and that we're being recognized for the work that we are doing. Well, and I know they're in multiple states, but I have to say the, mm -hmm. the Wisconsin Titan group is truly an impressive group of, of business yeah. leaders. I mean, it, it has been wonderful to just get to know and, you know, the different networking events and that's been great. So you also are CEO of the Impact of Leadership. The, it's an organization yeah. that you started back in 2020, um, yeah. provide researches and coaches for leaders dealing with high stress and burnout. Not any of us have any yeah. of that. Yeah. So, okay, you got to tell me why you start it and then share some insights on the strategies that you use to help your clients um, so that they can get through, obviously, stressful times and, and burnout. Yeah. So I think it's a bug that's in our family. It's in our blood to be entrepreneurs. And so being that I did not start CCB, I had this itch and I've had it forever to want to be my own business owner of something. Um, I thought maybe I want to start a restaurant, right? Because I like food. So why not? You know, I love uh, uh, people having a good time. So why not give them a place where they can have a good time? Um, this one, though, uh, came into play because my vice president of sales, he had just gotten promoted and uh, I did a terrible job of getting him ramped up to being the VP of sales. Um, I just said, hey, you're gifted, you're talented, you're going to figure this thing out. I mean, I'm here to help you, but you know, and he realized this is the biggest job he's ever had. So he started digesting tons of podcasts and books and he came to me and I, I we would have our weekly meetings. I'm like, so how are you doing? He's like, well, I'm learning a lot. I'm like, where are you learning? He's like, I'm talking, I'm reading this book. I'm listening to this podcast. And, you know, and he goes, Patrick, I'd like to go to a conference uh, called Entree Leadership. And I'm like, what? And so I'm, 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 I'm digesting him, sharing with me all the things he's learning. And I'm like, gosh, Steve, this is incredible. And so what I started realizing as we started having about more of these conversations in about a, a year of this, I was like, Steve, you have so much knowledge that you're sharing with the sales team, but I think you could share it with the world, you know, with your personality and things you're learning and your own thoughts from what you're getting. You know, you get a thought here from somebody else, but then you make something comes out of that to create your own idea. I said, I think we should create something, you know, and so with him. Uh, we created the impact of leadership. And, and the whole goal was, 
uh, as a leader who had been leading since 2007. Now, here we are, you know, all these years later, I was facing burnt out myself. I was facing how do I want to keep going and how do I keep going? I said, you know, I got advanced early in my life. And so here I am now facing burnt out way earlier than I would want to face burnout. And so um, he was helping me through this, these leadership teachings. But I'm like, you know, I want other leaders to not feel alone out there. I, I did not realize the importance of having a CEO group. Uh, having a network that's really there for you to bounce ideas off of and, and almost in some cases just vent and just share what you're going through work and personal, which I have definitely learned and been able to grateful to be in a group for nine years where I've been able to do that. Uh, same people. And we we understand we've done life together by being there for each other through listening and, and giving guidance. But um, I said, other leaders don't know about this. We got to find a way to get this message because if all the great leaders quit, without doing a healthy transition to the next generation, we're going to be in a world of hurt from an economy. And so I said, hey, we got to make sure leaders don't burn out and quit. And then Steve said, well, I really want to train up the new leaders who don't know what they're doing. Like me, when I came in, I didn't know what to do. I started learning from others. So together we both were like, well, then let's do this. I'm going to go after some CEOs and leaders who've been doing it for a while. You're going to go after the people who are starting out and let's see if we can help give people an opportunity to gain value from what we're teaching, but also learn from our mistakes and and hopefully just see great growth happen for everyone. Because in the end, you know, one of the things I've learned is keeping all that knowledge to yourself that you you can't take it with you. So you might as well share it. Same thing with your riches. Nobody's going to take all that with them. So they might as well be able to use it to bless others. Well, and I love the fact that you are helping because it is lonely at the top. I mean, people, it's Mm -hmm. cliche, but, um, you know, we talk about this a lot in the podcast that when you are the ultimate decision maker, sometimes you just don't have that network or someone that you can go to to say, right. I'm struggling with this and I need help. So kudos to you for offering that uh, vehicle for people who, who you know, st- struggle with imposter syndrome or all the different things you hear about. out there. Yeah. yeah. So American Heart Association, I know you're very involved with that. So talk to me about you talked about the community service and, and your ability to give your employees time, which is wonderful. But but you are very involved in social causes and you're running a company. How do you balance all of that? And, and um, you know, obviously, I know a p- big part of why you won the Titan Award is the fact that you do both and you do both yeah. really well. Yeah. Well, sleep's overrated. So don't worry about sleep. <laughs> Just keep going. Um, I, you know, I learned I've learned and um that you have to have a balance. Uh, Early on, I was like, I'm going to join a lot of different things to see what I can do to continue to serve because that was my heart. Um, But I thought I can do everything. I can do the job. I can do the community service. I can manage a family. I can, you know, and then I realized there was nothing left for me at the end. There was no hobbies. There was no downtime. Um, I, I didn't have great sleep. I, I was not healthy. Let's put it that way. So mm-hmm. I say all this is there's a balance to everything. And and there are people that I look at and I'm like, how are they on 12 boards? I, I can't figure it out because I can't even handle a couple. Right. Um, honestly, life happens and things happen for a reason. And I truly believe that um, when a door closes, another one opens. But I don't believe it's by accident. And so um, through some family personal things where my dad had a spinal cord injury, um, I had to come off some boards. American Heart was one of them. Um, my local chamber was another. 
Um, and, and what I had to do, though, was realize if I'm going to be there for my family and I'm going to be there for the business, I need to prioritize my time and I can't be mm-hmm. everything to everyone. I can't. Um, but what I did learn is there's a lot of great things out there. And when I was serving on these boards, it was fantastic. The American Heart Association is a personal uh, connection that I felt because my my grandmother, who was very instrumental in my life, it was my dad's mom. Uh, she had about six to eight heart attacks in her life, the earliest wow. one being at like 37 years old. Um, now, she lived in her mid 80s, and that was great. And she was around to make a huge impression on me about always having a good time, always having a positive attitude. Um, she was a di- uh, bought diabetes and had major issues with her feet, but she never complained and she never stopped doing activities, uh, even to the point that, you know, we would have to put her like in a cart and push her around, but she didn't care. And she was a very proper lady, took very much pride in her, her appearance. And she's from uh, Virginia. So she was very much of a Southern lady. And she, uh, she, she though was always willing to go and try and go for new things, which inspired me to have a good person, a good view on life, be positive, laugh, smile, um, and be willing to take some risk, even if it makes you uncomfortable. And so with the American Heart, I was like, I want to do something. And my dad, before um, he had a spinal cord injury in college, uh, he did have a, a very minor stroke. And so heart disease is a big thing in my family. Um, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if I have to face it someday. Uh, which is why I really appreciated what they were doing about having awareness. Um, the best part of the serving the American heart was also my family got involved and my company got involved. And so uh, we did the heart walks uh, in Kenosha and Racine, and that was fun. Uh, my kids and I would go and we would walk and you know, my company employees would show up with their families or with their kids and dogs. And it was great to see uh, a wonderful group come together over uh, helping the community get healthy and try to be aware of what we can be doing. And so you're not waiting for this thing to come and get you, but you're doing things to help. And, and the research and the work that they do is is wonderful. So that's that was my big heart uh, of why I did that one. And then the other boards, I just wanted to help my community thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm tired of hearing bad things be said about my community. And, and there are some things that we still have to really work hard on. Can't, can't stop everything, but mm-hmm. you either are part of the, the story that changes it or you're going to be part of the problem that nothing changes. And so if nothing changes, then nothing changes. So you got to be willing. So I wanted to roll up my sleeves to to try to help the community get better and thrive, which was great. Well, so I'm slowly obviously. getting back into things, but yep. I, I needed to be there for my family. So, you know, if you're going to time is something you can't get back. It's done. Today will be over and we will not be going back. Um, and so you have to find a way to prioritize what's important. And I think there's a time and place uh, for everything. And I encourage you though, uh, start with one group, start with one committee. You don't have to do 12, but if you can get out there and serve and help your community thrive, I promise you, you'll love it and you will benefit from it. When I do think, you know, there's a lot of amazing um, leaders in the Titan group. But one of the things that mm-hmm. I see as a common thread is that philanthropic heart. I mean, it's amazing mm-hmm. the work that this group does for so many organizations, which which I love, obviously. Um, one piece of advice for an aspiring leader from Patrick, who has had lots of great mentors in his life, what's one piece of advice you would give an aspiring leader? 
Wow. Uh, the, the one advice I probably would be given uh, to somebody else is um, never stop learning. Um, that's I know it's a simple thing, but trust me, you get caught up in the busyness of your job and the things you have to get done. And iron sharpens iron. So if you read books, listen to podcasts, meet with other leaders, they will make you better. I promise you that. And so if you try to isolate yourself because you're busy, you're not going to grow. Nobody drifts into excellence. Nobody does it alone. You've got to find a way to grow because if you're growing, the company will grow. Wherever you put the bar for yourself is where everyone else is going to be. And if you don't want them to be stuck, well, then you need to lead by example. Well, I have to tell you, I'm so grateful for the Titan connection because my life is better for knowing you. So thank you. Oh, thanks. Um, well, this has been fun. I really appreciate this. I know it has been fun. CCB Technologies. How do they find you? For yeah, our listeners? Yeah, so a couple great ways. Um, we have a great website that my marketing team has really done a great job on. So uh, CCB Technology, I got my youngest son over there now. Uh, CCBtechnology.com. <laughs> uh, plus uh, we have impactofleadership.com. So if you could, please check out both sites. LinkedIn is a great way to connect with us. My uh, VP of, uh, of sales, Steve Shear, does incredible videos with his glorious hair that looks like Fabio. If you don't know who that is, Google him. He's got long hair, a great white teeth, and he's pretty funny. So check out his videos. But we would love to connect with people on uh, LinkedIn. So look us up. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for doing this. And I can't wait till our fellow Titans uh, watch your episode. It was wonderful. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.